Wait, Lauren, you were just talking about us driving around and that reminded me. Do you remember the time I went to pick you up and you got in my car and shut the door and it fell off? (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that? I do, now that you mention it. It was that piece of shit car. It was my dad's car. It was a two-door Dodge. It was a Dodge Colt. (gasps) Remember flooring it on the highway and it wouldn't go past... Like what, 40? It was like zero to 60 in five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Fiction Between Friends, a podcast dedicated to books and book lovers like us. I'm Josephine Angelini. I'm Lauren Sanchez. I'm Alyssa Hilfinger. And I'm Aileen Calderon. We're four childhood friends from the suburbs of Massachusetts. We've always loved to read almost as much as we love to talk to each other. We started this podcast as a way to celebrate how a really good book can come into your life and change it. So if you're looking for fun and engaging conversations about books, stick around. This is Fiction Between Friends, and we're glad you've joined us. Welcome back. This is Episode 3, Season 2. I'm Josephine Angelini, and joining me are my dear friends, Aileen Calderon. Hi. Lauren Sanchez. Hello. And Alyssa Hilfinger. Hi. So, Alyssa, I just, I have to say this. Your dog, is your dog old, or is he just one of those dogs that even as a puppy, he looked like an old dog? He, an old man. He's both. He's yeah. seven. So for a dog, he's, you know, he's technically a senior. He gets the senior vet treatment, um, but he's mm-hmm. very gray, so he looks older than he is. And he's on a diet. But we still kind of think he's gaining weight, which is one of two things. One is we're in total denial about how many treats we give him, which is probably <laughs> the truth. The other option is that there's something bad growing inside of him that is making him Aww. gain weight, which makes me feel yeah. really sad. But then I think about how many treats we do actually with- give him. <laughs> yeah. Go with the treats. Yeah. So did we all read romance this week or what? Yeah. All right. Who do we, who wants to go first? Do we want to do our usual order or just Lauren? Because you seem like you're you're ready. Oh, you want to go? Ooh, yeah. Lauren. Okay, Lauren, you so, go first. I don't know. Um, I read the X Talk by Rachel Lynn Solomon, and I requested it from the library, and I don't remember where I heard about it. Or I don't know. It looked interesting, I guess. And it's based in uh, Seattle, and it's about this young woman. She's a millennial, but she works for a public radio station. Who, Puget Sound. Did I say that right? Puget. Puget. Okay. And um, basically, the station's struggling a little bit, and they're brainstorming. There's my cat meowing. Sorry. They're brainstorming <laughs> ideas. Like, how can we, we need something to bring this alive, you know? So they somehow come up with, well, she blurts out, you know, she's like on Tinder and Bumble and all that shit. And she's like, we should have a show about, you know, exes or relationships. So they come up with this show called The X Talk, where her nemesis in the studio, his name is Dominic Yun. Oh, by the way, her name is Shay Goldstein. So yeah. they're supposed to, they decide, the boss decides, let's pretend that you were together and now you're not, which is a total lie. And that kind of goes against the whole, you know, journalism thing, like lying is probably not the best thing to do on the radio, right? Aileen, what are you doing? <laughs> I know she's like... I'm sorry. Princess Grumpy Pants. Sorry, I could hear bed. It's okay. It's okay. Bedtime is going anyway. sideways downstairs and it's loud. It's, 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 it's your typical kind of like, um, let's pretend we're dating trope kind of book, but, or we're not dating because it's let's the Let's pretend we're dating until, like, it's the same thing with like Bridgerton. The first, the mm, first yeah. Bridgerton book was all about like, let's pretend to be in a relationship so that we can get other people. Right. It's kind of, of the op- opposite though. Let's pretend we were in a relationship. Right, right. <laughs> So it's, you know, okay, we know they fall in love, okay? This is going to happen. We know that something bad's going to happen. People are going to find out it's a lie. Then they're going to get back together. Okay. So when I'm reading this book, I'm like, okay, it's a millennial rom-com. Okay, I can do this. It's cute. They're bantering. What about the sex? I'm like, it's it's not going to have sex, right? It has tons of sex. (laughs) It is supposed to me. I was feeling it. I was like, okay, I can take this. The sex scenes were awesome. You want to read one for us? No, you know I can't. I cannot. I'd have to like. Okay, Lauren, when's the first sex scene? When's the first sex scene though? Like, does it come in in Act One? Like the first one. fifty pages? Does it come in? It it comes somewhere in the middle. Maybe I bet it comes. <laughs> Anyways, you should read it because if you, yeah, I I don't want to get too deep into that, but um, I like a good sex scene. I like slutty books. So this book, I was like, is it going to be slutty enough for me? It was slutty enough for me. Yeah, yeah. But the, was there still a story? Was there still a plot that you found yourself following? Or 
Yeah, I mean, with hesitation. <laughs> she's like, not really. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a fine book. It was entertaining. Definitely a younger crowd. I liked reading. I like NPR, so I liked reading a little bit, getting sort of like this inside look at it. I did not like the scene where everybody finds out, you know, what's going on mm. because it made me really uncomfortable. Maybe a little forced, but I did like the sex scenes. Why, why <laughs> two thumbs up? up? Wow. <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, I'm a single lady. It's been a while. <laughs> no, but Lord, okay, so I got I got to know more about this book. Okay, yeah, ask questions because there's not a whole lot to say about it other than that. What, no, but that? you said that the banter back and forth was really good. And one yeah. of the things that I have a hard time doing in books is dialogue. Like for me, dialogue is the it's it's my weakest link, I'd say. And and a book like this where it's they're on a talk show, so I mean the dialogue has to be at a certain level. Were you reading it going, I can hear these characters, this is really fun? Was it laugh yeah, out loud I mean, or was it just okay? Look, I am not a witty, like I don't come up with responses super quick, you know? Yeah. So to me it was a little <laughs> bit like, How do people do that? But it's a book, you know? Maybe a little forced. But even she even addresses that in the book. Somebody actually says, you guys are a little forced, so you need to go away on this weekend to get to know each other better. Well, I, have, I have a question. Everything. Why do we love predictable love stories? Because we do. Like romantic You don't. Comedy. No, I, Aileen, no, you, you don't. Do. Love, yes, I you do. do. Oh, my God. A good rom-com? Absolutely. I would recommend it, though. I'd like you to read this and tell me what you think. I'll read it. Look, it's like, a feminist read. There's a, I don't want to say anything that's going to upset anybody. Spoiler. Go ahead. Say your thing. No. Just that. Like, sometimes it's super obvious, like, this is a feminist book. You know, like, we're going like to put it, was, it in your face. It was too But low. I appreciated it. I appreciate that because that's the way it should be. So, I mean, we don't... Feminist wait, what's how? an example like, of that? Like, I'm going to be... I'm going to give you a bad example because I, I don't have the lingo here. But at one point, her boss... Something bad happens. I can't recall what. And But her boss says, I know you're still feeling fragile to the woman. And she's like, what's that? Like, that's, that's bullshit. Like, just because yeah. I'm a woman, you're going to say... You know, I'm not strong enough, um, which I I get like that would piss me off, too. So I did appreciate that. But sometimes it was kind of like it was making a point of being a feminist book rather yes. than just being a feminist book. It was like it was like using an adverb to tell you that it was a feminist an book instead of letting you feel it. <laughs> but, I, but I actually really appreciate that. I'm glad that women are writing like that. And I'm glad that we're not just accepting shit like that anymore. So but, I don't really want to say much about it. No, but I totally get your point. Yeah, you know I mean? A lot of things nowadays are too heavy handed. Like right. There is. A, yeah. um, I'm ex like, I love rom-coms, like movies and like, yeah. sh they're the best. Like, you know, they're going to fall in love. You know what's going to happen. But right. aside from that, like there are TV shows now that are targeting like, I guess, millennials and Gen Z or whatever. And the storylines are all about the women being woke and like speaking out against yeah. the man yeah. and yeah. like everything, everything just becomes about what, how women are oppressed rather than they're just being storylines and it be being organically woven into it. It's like so pointed and so heavy handed that you're like, oh right. my God. Rather than just it. telling a story and having women be people in it who have a voice who aren't right. just yes. orbit, orbiting around a man, they have to be like, I'm a woman, damn it. And it's like, yeah. okay, okay, okay. I don't think it was exactly <laughs> that. It wasn't that bad, Aileen. It was, I think she did a good job with it. I do. What, what was your did, hesitation with it, though? it was obvious to me. Mm. What's up? What was your hesitation with it, then? Did, did it not feel like it fit in with the story? No, it definitely did. Did it get in the way of the sex? <laughs> no, the sex was good because with this and I and I've said this before about the Robin Carr novels. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. I did want to tell you guys this. I really appreciated how they emphasize safe sex and huh. also the the boy, the guy, the boy, because he's what twenty five. I'm so old. He asked her multiple times, "Are you sure you're? Are you mm. sure you're okay with this?" Right. The consent aspect. Yes. Thank you, Alyssa. Consent. Consent. And I did appreciate that a lot. So kudos to the author. But, you know, it got starred reviews on Kirkus and Publishers Weekly. Braiders are us. Definitely approved. <laughs> they did talk about the fun drawer. There is a fun drawer in there. And I was like, maybe I need a fun drawer. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> no, I can't see it. I, I can't see myself having a fun drawer. But, you know, you never know. Give me another six months. <laughs> Talk. <laughs> We're gonna need so much editing. <laughs> I'll read it. I'll read it. I love. Yeah. It was I've, fun. It was I like a steamy book. Yeah, it was fun. So, Aileen, what what book did you do this week? Okay, my book was like the polar opposite of Lauren's book, which is funny mm -hmm. because she recommended it. It was did called. I? 
Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, it's like two days ago, right? <laughs> it was in a flurry of like six thousand texts. I was like, "What should I read?" And you threw out a book. Your mom had just read it, I think. You no, that was the, Alyssa's mom, but I did recommend it. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, it's called The Rosie Project by Graham Simpson, and it is the story of a man called named Don Tillman, who is a genetic scientist who is neurodiverse. I think is probably the politically correct way to put it. He is on the spectrum. Um, he's just a very unique kind of awkward individual. He reminded me a lot of Eleanor Oliphant. Um, it was very similar, very similar character. Like he's just sort of socially awkward and doesn't really know how to interact with people, lives li- like lives life very literally, has rigid rules. Um, I'm going to read you like the beginning of the book just to give you a sense of him. Like everything he says and does is just very like robotic and formulaic and he lives life by rules that he sets and he will not like deviate from these rules. So um, this is the opening of the book. I may have found a solution to the wife problem. As with so many scientific breakthroughs, the answer was obvious in retrospect. But had it not been for a series of unscheduled events, it is unlikely I would have discovered it. The sequence was initiated by genes insisting I give a lecture on Asperger's syndrome that he had previously agreed to deliver himself. The timing was extremely annoying. The preparation could be time-shared with lunch consumption, but on the designated... Um, but on the designated evening, I had scheduled 94 minutes to clean my bathroom. I was faced with a choice of three options, none of them satisfactory. And then he looks, lists out the different ways that he can make this work. So he's just very like he just goes through life in his own way. He doesn't really he has like three friends in the world. That's it. Um, doesn't really connect with many people. But he's decided he's at the age where he needs to find himself a wife. So he decides the best way to find a wife is to devise a questionnaire with a series of questions, including asking a woman what her what her weight is, how much she drinks, like how she likes to spend her time and give pr- prospective women the questionnaire, have them fill it out. And then he will, you know, an- analyze the results and desi- decide if the woman is worthy of him going on a date. OK, can uh, I interrupt here for a second? Do you remember yes. in high school when there was a fundraiser and it was it, it was some matchmaking something? Do you remember this? No. It was our oh, senior yeah. year and we had to fill out these questions. It was exactly this. Like we had to fill out these questionnaires about what our likes were, our dislikes. And then yeah. you paid however much money and they matched you with a person in your grade. And then they matched oh my you God, with really? a person in the whole school who best fit your profile. Was this like a Valentine's Day thing? It was some type of something. And I think you could choose to do like friendship versus romance. And it was very heteronormative, you know, like. I don't remember that at all. Oh, yeah. Wait, who, of course, it, of course, it was heteronormative. Yeah. It was 1993. Yes. But yeah. but it definitely so was bad. on this basis of with a checklist, you can find a match. Which is kind of fascinating. It is kind of what, uh, I mean, I've never done online dating. I've been with someone for 20 years, so I wouldn't yeah. even know how I've to do that. I've never done it either. But I mean, I, I feel like Neither. it starts off with like answering questions right. and what your interests are and stuff. So it's, yeah, very similar um, to this. That's so weird. All four of no, None of us have done online dating, no. have we? I no. will say that I, I wouldn't know I how to either. date now. <laughs> um, when we did it in high school, I was matched with my high school boyfriend. Oh, really? Yeah, it was rigged. I <laughs> know <laughs> who's looking at this. I know, but but it it just it was really interesting. Anyway, me as also a science person, like I love this guy's idea. <laughs> so, well, I mean, <laughs> I really do. So, and he's a geneticist, so you know he studies yes. genes and all, whatever which are fascinating that, whatever, whatever that means so yeah it, it's like you're like i get it on paper that seems like a great idea like you're going to figure out what you have in common with somebody what interests you share like what you like about them and then if everything's a match if they're the, exactly the person that you want on paper that you should be able to fall in love and get married but we all know that's mm. not really the way the world works so he's working with his friend gene who is um i think he's a psychology professor and uh, Jean and his wife, Claudia, have been married for many years. And Don thinks they have this amazing marriage because it's open and Jean is allowed to go out and sleep with whoever he wants. And Jean's, Jean wants to go sleep with a woman from like every country in the world. So he's constantly seeking out women from from different countries to Ew. sleep with. Um, Don later finds out that Claudia really isn't as into this as he, as he thought he was. Hey, shock. Um, but so Jean is the one giving him love advice and going along with this. So Jean starts on this little adventure and actually has some women who fill out the questionnaire. Um, and then he meets this woman named Rosie. And Rosie, 
you know, kind of like every love story, you're like, I know what's going to happen. Rosie is nothing like the woman that he's looking for. Like she sort of just flies by the seat of her pants. She's a free spirit. Um, but he's somehow intrigued by her. And then at some point, Rosie lets him know that she wants to figure out who her bio- biological father is. So he's like, oh, we need to do the Rosie project. I'm going to help you figure out mm. who your biological father is. So they embark on this adventure to figure out who her father is, which involves getting DNA from various men who might be her father and testing it and seeing if it's a match. Um, so, you know, and eventually they they fall in love and, you know, all that. There's zero sex because <laughs> <laughs> this man, you know, like he his friend Gene gives him a book on sex positions. So at one point he and Rosie are about to have sex and he's like, hold on, I need to get my book and like runs Aww. off to get his book, studies his book for like 20 minutes and then comes back and she's like, yeah, no, this isn't happening. So would you say that because there there wasn't any sex, is it worth reading? <laughs> I know, right? I mean, for you, Lauren, probably not. I will say like, my mom recommended this book to me. She read it and was very excited about it. And and she always gets books out of the library. But for some reason, she had a, a copy of like an actual copy of this book. And she so the gave characters it to me. Must be, it's, it's, it's a really cute book. It has very it like, has, like uh, Don is very endearing. Like you immediately get who he is and, how, you know, everybody thinks he's kind of strange. But at the same time, his quirks are very endearing. So um, sounds a little strange. Oh, he's so strange. I'm trying to, I'm looking and seeing, like, every time, anytime he meets someone, he, like, mentally calculates what their BMI is. Like, for some reason, that's, like, an important fact that he needs to know about them. So it's, it's like, it's a really cute and sweet and funny. And, I mean, you know how it's going to end up, but you're kind of rooting for him the whole time. And you want to see how he's actually going to pull off getting a real woman in the real world. How's the meat cute? Um, like, is it they stumble into each other or is it different? Is it fun? Is it unique? Should try to remember. It feels like I read this months ago and it was like last week. Um, <laughs> what happens? No, Gene actually sets them up. Um, I'm trying like, so his friend sets them up, but I think he doesn't necessarily think that they're going to get together. He has some reason for setting them up. So they get thrown together and kind of Do like. Do you think that their relationship. super vague. I know because I don't remember. <laughs> Do you think that their relationship would last if like it was like a real. Well, there are two more books in the series. So yes. Oh, ooh. <laughs> But but they end up so he ends up he ends up trying to change himself because he's like, I need to act more normal. So at one point he watches all these like romantic comedies and he's like, oh, this is how people in relationships interact. And he's like, I guess maybe I need to change the way I dress. So he like puts forth all this effort to become the person that he thinks that she wants. And of course, like he does that. And she's like, oh, I liked how weird you were. It's okay, You can be your weird self. Like she just accepts him for who he is. So it's, it's very sweet. Are there any deep, dark secrets or underlying issues or skeletons in the closet? Mm, kind of. Who her father is, is, is it revealed until the end? And that's kind of a surprise. Oh. But there's no like threatening storyline. Mm. Is there like a, a where you feel like their love could be taken away from them? There's nothing really. The stakes aren't high is what I'm no, getting they're at. they're not really high. <laughs> they're not it's, high like a, it's a very like feel oh, light, light read. But I mean, I do like the whole questionnaire thing is. I don't know. It's it's kind of funny because why doesn't that work? Like I have there a is. Question. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, let's make a questionnaire. The Lauren Project. Yes. <laughs> you guys, it's called Match. I know. I, know. I mean, no. seriously, we have friends is... who have met and married. I yeah, I have friends. I, I know, but it's so swipe left, swipe right. I mean, it's well, Tinder. Yeah, I think there's, oh, yeah, yeah, there's I different variations. <laughs> which which I, which I, which I thought. Experts. One of my guy friends had Tinder when it first came out. And I was like, oh, this is a fun game. I'm just swiping. And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's my life you're playing with. I was like, oh, so gamified. I just thought it was fun. But it does make you stop and think, like, what are your top qualities in right. a person? Like, well, what are and- you? Because the person, you, and usually you're like who you think your ideal is, at least when you're young. Like I thought I was going to marry like a oh, yeah. math, Matthew McConaughey type. I'm like tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. And no, I'm married. Yes, I remember playing Mash husband. with you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I remember that too. <laughs> I thought I had a type. I never yeah. dated anybody who was that type, though, even I think. You think like the whole formula of it, like the answer this question, that, I, that, that, that takes the soul out of it for you, huh, Lauren? I think it does. And I also feel like people are going to lie, especially men. I think women would tell the truth. That just goes to show I have very little trust in men right now. <laughs> but I but I think also there is like the, the X factor. Like there's just, sometimes you're just drawn to people and you don't know why. There's no logical reason. Like 
Like, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> like there's just there's there's the attraction. Like there's something about yeah. them that you find appealing and you couldn't describe what it is. It's just there. Yes, it's very annoying. I also think it has to do with where you're at in your life. Right. I, I, yeah. I once I had a girlfriend of mine once said to me, she said, you know what? At this point in my life, I could fall in love with anyone. She's like, I'm just that's where I'm at right now. And this was somebody who went through men like tissues. <laughs> she went through dudes like she was just confetti. <laughs> throwing that shit up in the air. And when she finally settled down, she was like, I, you know, I could fall in love with anyone right now. If I, if he was a decent guy, I just put my mind to it, but I could learn to love anyone. And I was like, mm. actually, that's, there's something really beautiful about that. We're desperate. Like, no, no, no. Cause she was ready. No, I mean, this girl had her choice, but like, she just was sort of, it was when she was ready to fall in love. If she met somebody who wasn't completely fucked up, she was like, I had, I could learn to love all of his quirks, everything about him, the way that he looked. Hmm. And I felt like there was something hugely optimistic about that. And I I don't know, for some reason, it's always stuck in the back of my head. But don't you think that's a little sad, too, that you prioritize love over finding someone who you really connect with? Or that you prioritize yourself first. Like, it's when you're ready, when you're capable of giving love to someone else, that anybody could be worthy of it. This is very deep. <laughs> I know, but I think I think about it a lot. I, no, I, I think that's true. Stories. I think about it too. You guys, I don't want to like interrupt to change the subject, but what I I wanted to say about this book, and I know we can edit this into what I say. You know. Okay. No, no, we can do whatever. This book, this book talks a lot about podcasts. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's super relevant. Like, X, wait, are there like porn podcasts? Like X-rated podcasts? Oh, probably. There have to be. There's <gasps> dinosaur porn. Lawrence, there is going to be them. porn podcasts. Alyssa, how do you know that? He, but Alyssa, how do you know that, Alyssa? Did you just say dinosaur? <laughs> because one of my friends happened to be scrolling through Amazon and there was some like self-published dinosaur cave cave woman with a T-Rex situation. And oh so my God, I got to stop kidding. Oh wow. So I had to. Um, I'm not sure that's really for me. No, no. I went and I looked at just I, I mean, I did not. Get of course the book, you did. But I had to go look at it. And I was just like, you. You've got to be kidding. With those tiny little arms. I know the tiny little. I mean, come on. I mean, people, there's something out there forever. Like at one point I was like, oh my God, like a porn pop-up book. That, that would be awesome. It exists. Oh. And then and then I was like, what about like upscale porn? Like porn with like actually a good plot line and like it's well shot. And there's actually some woman who's like making like quality porn yeah. now. I haven't watched go, it, but go, I, I was reading her. about it. I'll, I'll oh find God. out who she is and send you, send you the info, Lauren. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's fine. She's knitting, by the way. So this. <laughs> I am knitting. <laughs> Chew a nice knitting, whatever right. works, girl. Well, I mean, as long as you cover all bases on your questionnaire, then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually looking to see what was in um, his questionnaire. They don't actually. Why? Well, I, I feel offended that he would ask about somebody's weight. Yeah. I mean, of course. Um, he also wants to know, like, if, for an appointment, if they're a little early on time or late. Um, now, see, that is a very helpful thing to know. It is not a deal breaker for me because if it were, I could not be married to my husband because he operates on his own concept of time. And mm. I operate not on the same concept of time. I'm, I'm always you. either early or on time. And he's just more casual about it. Oh, that would drive me nuts. It does drive me nuts. But that but now I understand it, it and I can I can build it in. But but it would have been helpful to know. I think it we could have avoided some conflicts had I known his concept of time. That piece of a questionnaire <laughs> might have been helpful. But would it have changed the end result? No, it wouldn't. But most hmm. of the stuff is things that you learn by getting to know right. someone. Which like, is part of the joy. Don is trying to skip that whole portion because he's not good at getting to know people and he just wants them to put it on paper so he can look at it, examine it and be like, yes, you are the right specimen for me. So would you recommend the book, Aileen? Yeah, like it was a, it was a fun read. It was like Don is a very sweet, funny character and you're you're rooting for him the whole time. But did you get swept up in it? Were you like, do you know how you get swept up in a romance sometimes? No, it's, it's, like, it's, oh my God. it's a love story. It's not a romance. I think of a romance as having like steamy love scenes, like your book, Lauren. It seems like maybe it was more romance. A love story is more just telling, talking about a relationship and maybe not as steamy. 
I don't know if there's I was officially so surprised by these sex scenes in my book. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I feel like, like it needs a disclaimer. Your book needs some type of, you know, warning. Actually, books don't have ratings, do they? They have oh. age ranges, but that's it. But, they don't but have it's ratings. not like X versus R or PG. I think that this could be an interesting topic sometime. I'm just throwing How this out right there. about right now? Sure, let's throw it out there. <laughs> so, um... What do you think about spoiler alert with books and movies and such? Or like, I get it with movies, but books. What do you mean? Like, so, should we do not a spoiler alert, but like a trigger, a trigger alert, trigger like, warnings? Oh, trigger, trigger warnings. warnings! I think that they're very important. I think that they're very important for certain books. Mm. Um, mm. I, I have them in what she found in the woods because there's substance mm. abuse, there's violence against women. But when did mm. when did people start needing trigger warnings? Because we we all went through life without a warning about when things were going to get difficult. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, when did there could be, get so sensitive? I mean, there could be so many trigger warnings. Right. And how do you know? Uh, there are certain hot topic items. So drug abuse, sex abuse, suicide, um, yep. mental illness. I think there are broad categories that could be labeled. But I mean, it, we had a situation where we had an emotionally at your fragile child at school who went down a very bad spiral because of Oedipus. And just oh, the yeah. heaviness of reading, at you know, but uh, would anyone ever think to put a, a trigger warning on that? That's, yeah, so that's the, the thing, library, like, where do you draw the line? Yeah, so we had this conversation at work because books don't always have trigger warnings, and we don't necessarily read all the books in the library, so we can't necessarily warn everybody, right? So um, we have a foreign film club, and it came up that maybe we needed to watch the movies in advance. The The patrons choose the movies. And let people know the trigger warnings. I was like, I think there has to be, I, I would think with the advertising of the movie or book itself, that there might be something listed that says this, the themes in this movie yeah. contain this and this and this. And I also think that um, patrons kind of have, if they know they're sensitive to something, they kind of have to be responsible for it. Yeah, it's kind of like if you have an allergy agreed, to peanuts, yeah. you should probably read the ingredients. But also, like, when did all of society become responsible for your sensitivities and your personal, yeah. you know, hardships? Mm. Well, I think this also goes it's back nice. to the whole yeah. um, banned book scenario, right? It's like almost taking it to the extreme of saying, well, you know, these things are too too devastatingly serious to have to deal with and we don't want to expose people to it so we need to recommend that these books be taken off the shelves but that's different that's other people choosing this is more about self-governance like if i warn someone and say there's drug abuse in this if you're not down with that don't read the right. book but but mm -hmm. i think it's a slippery slope into wanting to protect air quotes around protect people that's from true. being exposed to these ideas yeah and i bet up until this moment of time, like everyone would just decide for themselves. Like people knew what they were okay with, what they weren't. They would read a description. They'd be like, yeah, I'm good with this or no, I'm not. And if something happened that they started to watch a movie and there was all of a sudden like a rape scene, they'd be like, uh, I'm not right. cool with this. And I'm going to turn it off. Although like, what? flowers in the attic. Once, I mean, you're in that pretty far. And then all yeah. of a Before, sudden you're, you're like, like, oh. <laughs> yeah, but you can just. I love how down. we keep coming back to I that know. book. I, I just know. Keep, it comes I up mean, in like every God. podcast. Here's the thing. I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like give people the information that they need to make their own choice. And that's why I don't think that I'm responsible to put a trigger warning on any of my books or that any author should be responsible for that. It's a book. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll you read it or don't read it. It's up to you. But by allowing people the opportunity to choose, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't hurt me to do that in any way. Mm. I don't feel personally responsible. Like I have to do it. But I feel like what but if I tell you there's swearing in my book, like that we use the F word in my book, I'm just giving you a heads up. It's not I'm not embarrassed by that. And I don't think that that should keep you from reading it. If mm. you feel like you can handle the F word. Where would that <laughs> be posted? Is that something in a description of the book? Is that something on the book to have some type of? It's usually one of the front. The So in the front, you know, in the front, there are all those pages that everybody skips. Nobody over reads chapter that. one. <laughs> it's in one of those. <laughs> it's in one of those. When, when, did you be... when did you start adding trigger warnings? Like at what, at what point did that become a thing? The first time it came up was with um, my book, uh, Snow Lane, because there's child abuse mm. in it. It's about, it's about, you know, it's kind of, based on my growing up yeah. in, in Ashland. And there is, you know, some pretty serious abuse that happens to small children in it. So that book made me cry. Mm -hmm. 
It did. Oh, sorry. It also made me yeah, picture I, certain. I was like, "What woods did you walk through to get from can, one side of town to the other?" I can picture them. Yeah, the one across the street from my house. Yeah. Do you but I can't picture where that would connect to. I have spatial visualization. It, it comes out on Salem and Road. Comes out on Salem Does and Road. You know, right where uh, uh, the Borellis lived. Mm. Oh the, yeah, that that was the other side of it. Interesting. So, whose book are we talking about next? I read Normal People, and it fell into my lap because my college kid was reading it and she said, mom, this book is really good. I think you would like it. Um, and then she said, it's also very adult. And, and so, I mean, there's a lot of sex in this book and it starts. Also, you should watch the series. <laughs> no. I watched the series. It's very steamy. No, I'm not interested like in watching the series. Um, and, and it is. <laughs> and, good. and I wonder if that's why Ella picked this up is because she knew she hadn't started watching the series, but she knew that Hulu had a series for n- normal people. Um, and this is the second book by Sally Rooney. It's gotten great reviews. Her first book, Conversations with Friends, got good reviews. Honestly, one of the things that drew me to it is the fact that it's a third of the size of the Stephen King book from last week. <laughs> <laughs> is it every book, though? That's true. And I thought, oh, oh this is manageable. It covers two people, Marianne and Connell, C-O-N-N-E-L-L. And this takes place in right around Dublin. So some of the language is very Irish. And I think in the series, it's they're true to that. It's not American. Um, and you meet Marianne and Connell in their last year of what you assume to be high school. And they go to a private school um, I don't know enough about the school systems to know if this is a choice or if it's like it, it do all kids just go to schools where they wear uniforms and um, seems like a private school or is this a charter school or is this I, I don't know. I know that um, at least in England, a private school is like public school. public for us. So yeah. private is public and public is private. It's backwards. OK, I don't know why they do that. They're nuts. Or why we do that. Right. We do it backwards. I'm sure it's us yeah. doing it backwards. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're both really, really smart, like crazy off off the chart smart in the honors classes. These two people, um, you know, they're vying for, you know, top spot in their class. And Marianne is extraordinarily wealthy. Her father died when she was 13. She has an older brother, Alan, and her mother is not often referenced by name. And then you have Connell, whose mother, Lorraine, and even he refers to her as Lorraine because, well, Lorraine had him as a teenager. Why it calls me Aileen sometimes. It's <laughs> creepy. Stop him. <laughs> it, it is strange. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, but Lorraine is the housekeeper for Marianne. And so Connell will go to pick up his mother after school and be at Marianne's house. And so when you first meet them, he is coming to pick up his mom and he's like, mom, can you please hurry up? And he's very uncomfortable being there. And he's standing in the kitchen and his hands are deep in his pockets. And, you know, he doesn't. I thought she was going to say something else. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't gotten to the sex part yet, Lauren. She just can't wait. Put your hands up where we can see them rolling. <laughs> and Marianne is sitting on the counter in her kitchen and she's eating like Nutella from a jar and she's willing to chit chat with him. She doesn't really care. Um, but then as the conversation unfolds, you realize they don't talk at school. They, you know, basically acknowledge that they won't acknowledge each other at school. And there is not going to be a recognition of any overlap of their lives and certainly not that his mother works for her family. And yet he's really taken with her. And it it says, in, and it's third person. So one of the things I really liked about this book, which I thought was interesting, Josie, when you were talking about writing dialogue, is none of this is like you're in the middle of a conversation and you know you're watching it ping pong back and forth it's a, a third person removed description of what's happening and then their words of conversation will be sprinkled in so that you know what's unfolding very very like two or three exchanges yes that's it. you don't see the whole conversation right. yeah i really like that and it's it leaves you somewhat detached from what's happening which gives you an emotional distance from it which i also liked because 
it made it more like a scene that's playing out in front of you that you could appreciate both sides instead of getting really wrapped up in some aspect of one character to be really emotionally involved and, and invested in what happens. Uh, it, I think it, it led to a better balance of understanding and rooting for both characters. You know, but when you first meet them, you know, on page two, Marianne, she exercises an open contempt for people in school. She has no friends and spends her lunchtime alone reading novels. A lot of people really hate her. And then... Wait, who, who's... Wait, oh, it's third person. Third person. Okay. And then it says, Connell has heard she has a mental illness now or something. It's true she's the smartest person in school. He dreads being left alone with her like this, but he also finds himself fantasizing about things he could say to impress her. And so through this type of narrative, you start to learn about the quirks of their personality and the quirks of their relationships and how he's interested in her, but he could never admit that because he would just get ripped apart by mm. the people at school. Um, Alyssa, as the book progresses, who are you rooting for? Like, do you find yourself kind of on one side or the other, or do you remain objective and just watching what happens? So you remain pretty objective watching what happens. So they pretty soon into it, you know, he comes back another day, they have more conversation. And then he he starts coming back a little bit earlier to be able to spend a little bit more time there. And then at one point, I forget, honestly, if if she initiates it or if he does, or maybe it just kind of happens, but they kiss and they're like, oh, that's we're not going to talk about this, but we just kissed. And then she, that happened in my book, too. And and then she goes over. She walks over to his house and he opens the door to greet her and he looks around the street to make sure nobody's watching and then invites her in and then they have sex. And the way it's described is in the one hand, he's like, I, I can't believe that I'm doing this with this person who I can't own up to knowing at school. Like I would never acknowledge her. And yet... I've never been able to be more myself with any person and I feel comfortable with her. And he talks about, well, the narrative describes how it's the first time he's ever had sex and not felt ashamed or dirty or like it was obligatory because of what was expected in his status at school. So he's popular. She's not, but she's the rich one. And he's yes. not because I was just about to ask you about class because there's class and then there's social standing yes. and they're two different very things. different. So they both have different right. reasons why they don't want to be associated with the other. Well, she doesn't care, but she can appreciate the distance that that they have at school, at least in the beginning. So she also doesn't like anyone. At, uh, she legitimately does not like the people at school. She sees them as shallow and narcissistic and dumb, but she sees how smart Connell is. And how he does truly have so much to offer. And so on the one hand, you're kind of rooting for the two of them in this relationship while you're also really frustrated with him for not being willing to own it in public. And it starts to wear on her that he won't own it in public. And there's... Well, yeah. Right. So there's a... um a big dance. It's called the Debs and it's the equivalent to our prom. And even his mother says to him, so are you going to invite Marianne to the Debs? And he says, no, we're not dating because they also don't put a label on their relationship. They become best friends and they, they truly become deeply best friends. They won't admit that they're in love with each other, but that's what's expressed through their actions and their feelings, but none of this will ever be shared in public. So he does not ask her to this dance. She becomes devastated. She drop, literally stops going to school and she only shows up to sit the exams at the very end, which of course she aces. The equivalent, it, it seems like it's the equivalent of like, you know, the MCAS or Regents or some type of like final big state test. So she passes it. And the other thing that's interesting is the way the book is written. Each chapter is in chunks of time. So it'll be, let's see. So if I just flip to any of them, six weeks later is where the next chapter picks up. And then you find out what happened. And, and there's like a flashback concept. So you're getting filled in on all the missing information without having to read through the minutia of it happening, which I really appreciate. <laughs> it's, of course. It's like, did you read the ending first? I was going to say, maybe, I mean, do you think it was the author just trying to like 
fly through it or do you No, think it's it definitely like a-, a, a device to move the story forward because it takes place over five years. This is chronicling their relationship over five years from their last year in high school through their last year in college. Um, and so the next chapter starts with three months later and there are dates with it. So six weeks later, April 2011, three months later, November 2011. The next one after that is three months later, February 2012. So so you're able to keep track of time and then, you know, some event will happen like she didn't get asked to the Debs and she stops going to school and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is devastating. What's going to happen? And then you cut to three months later and you see where she is right now. And then there's a little bit of backfill as to how she got there. And you're like, oh, OK, so this is where we're at. I now can can pick things up. Do you do you? Are the characters likable? Because I'm feeling like they are. I don't know. They are. Are they both? Are they then they're, they're bo- just they're, flawed? They're both likable. They're both likable. They're both flawed. I also really like that the male character gets as much sensitivity and depth as the female character, and he's really conflicted and flawed. But so is she, and they ebb and flow with who is emotionally successful in their life at the moment. And, and sometimes it's him and sometimes it's her. And at maybe three quarters of the way through the book, um, when they start to go away to school and their relationship is on again, off again. So ultimately they end up at the same college. It's a stretch for him. He's at Trinity. He never thought he would be able to get in, but he's super smart. He wants to be a writer. She's always encouraged him. And they meet at a college party. Like they they both go away to school after separating and not talking to each other. And then they meet up at a party and she is the girlfriend of the guy who invited Connell to the party. And so their roles kind of reverse. And their right? roles are absolutely reversed where she is surrounded by all these people and she's holding court at conversation. And, you know, everybody loves how quirky she is and how smart she is. And everyone's really drawn to her. And he is the odd guy out. And he's He's uh, what do they call it? Like status by association because he's not wealthy and he doesn't have the social status that almost everyone else there does. And so this is now one of the first times where you see the tables turned and she's the cool one inviting him in and he sees how warm and welcoming and how good that feels to not be ignored. So their relationship goes off and on, off and on. They sleep together, but they're not really together. And then they break up and go their separate ways. And then he has a girlfriend. But then, it, so there's there's two parts to this that that I wanted to point out. One is you start to feel really badly for her because you you learn fairly quickly that her dad was abusive, physically and emotionally, and the mother allowed it. The mother blamed her for being abused, and the brother perpetuates it physically and and emotionally, continuing to so- abuse his sister. And the mother allows it. And so a lot of her relationship choices are really bad. She, We follow her through two major relationships that are like horrifically abusive. It's funny. And I'm, I'm replaying because I watched the like the series or whatever and really liked it. And I'm replaying that as you're talking. And it seems like it followed the book pretty well. It's a really interesting story about relationships. It is. And, like, and coming to terms you- with the people you want to be with, but also at the same time coming to terms with who you are and what you want. And why you why you choose the people that you do and why you avoid other people and why, you know, some people you pretend to be casual with even though you shouldn't be. And, right. Yeah. One of the things that I, I found really relatable was their inability to communicate clearly their feelings and what they wanted and how a lot of times that led to a breakup or it led to an obstacle that they couldn't overcome to be together. So for example, after the first year of being at school, Connell realizes that he didn't have enough money to stay in his apartment. And what he had wanted was to be able to move in with Marianne. They're now at this point dating, but they have not established a title for their relationship. And leading up to the conversation that I'll relay to you, he knows that what he wants to do is to ask her if it's okay if he stays with her for the summer because he stays over at her house all the time anyway, but they're not officially in a relationship. So they go to this party and they wake up the next morning and they're in the kitchen having coffee. And eventually he said, hey, listen, by the way, it looks like I won't be able to pay rent up here this summer. Marianne looked up from her coffee and said flatly, what? Yeah, he said, I'm going to have to move out of Niall's place. 
when, said Marianne. Pretty soon, next week, maybe. Her face hardened without displaying any particular emotion. Oh, she said, you'll be going home then. Looks like it. Yeah, he said. Well, she said, you'll be back in September, I assume. And so like this conversation's unfolding and he like she's responding to what he's saying, but not responding in the way that he thought she would. And they start getting deeper and deeper into this. And then he says, well, and then it's described. His eyes were hurting and he closed them. He couldn't understand how this had happened, how he had let the discussion slip away like this. It was too late to say he wanted to stay with her. That was clear. But when had it become too late? It seemed to have happened immediately. He contemplated putting his face down on the table and just crying like a child. Instead, he opened his eyes again. Yeah, he said, I'm not dropping out. Don't worry. So you'll only be gone three months. Yeah, there was a long pause. I I don't know, he said. I guess you'll want to see other people then, will you? So they break up because she thinks he's saying, let's see other people. When really, the whole point of this conversation was, I don't want to leave you. So they both suck at communicating and telling each other what they want and how they feel. You just got to be straightforward. But how many times have you found yourself in a conversation where in your head you're like, how did I let the discussion slip away like this? Would you recommend this book to a friend, to another teenager, like your daughter's age or... Like, what do you think of it? Um, I think I would. It's it definitely it's a love story, but it it weighs on you because of the abuse that she experiences and the way that she tolerates the I mean, his mom calls him out on it. She's like, you're an ass. You are not good enough for her. And the mom tells her that, too. And and I don't I don't disagree with that. I think when I think back to the book, though, I'm I'm really disturbed by Marianne's family situation and the abuse that she experienced, the abuse that she continued to experience that her mother and her brother perpetuated and continued. Well, I think that that's why she allowed herself to be in other relationships with and and then the abusive relationships that she got into, and even the descriptions of abuse that were very public. I mean, she'd be at a dinner party, and Jamie, one of the the boyfriends, I I mean, he's he's so bad to her. And nobody does anything. Alyssa, do you think your daughter saw the things in the book that we're seeing? Like, did you talk to her about it? Like, what was her take? I didn't get to talk to her about it because I finished it the day that she was packing up to leave to go back to school. And Mm -hmm. so it's and and she said she said to me, Mom, you have to mail this book to me once you're done talking about it because I I want it. And she bought the other book, The Conversations with Friends by the same author. I, w- I would be curious to have a conversation with Ella about it and see what her take yeah. is. Um, I'm really bothered by the the dynamics of the relationships that Marianne was in. And I did find Connell to be a sympathetic character. I felt really badly huh. for him. I don't, that doesn't excuse his behavior. And I'm not saying that they should be together. He was going through some stuff. When when her character had, she was in an abusive relationship. Like that made me want to put the book down when she started talking about her ex-boyfriend and how she was treated. And I think if I was reading the book that you're talking about, I would have put it down. I, I don't, that's one thing. Talk about trigger. I don't, I, I'm not saying that that's my history or anything, but I don't like reading about women being abused. I don't, I don't like any type of abuse or violence or, and I think that's why I like romance love stories yes. because Alyssa. I have a book for you then. <laughs> I have a book for you. Oh my God. So I'm reading the All Wolves series by Maria Vale. And the first book is, wait, wait, what the heck? It's called The Last Wolf, which is weird because it starts with The Last Wolf, but it's called the All Wolves series. So Maria Vale, she's wonderful. I love her. This is really beautifully written and it's got a great B storyline. They're called, they call themselves the pack and they've always been. And the pack is like, are wolves and they call themselves wolves but they also go into skin so they're humans but they can turn into wolves i don't mean to interrupt but Alyssa had a fear of where oh yeah for a long time so i'm just yeah. wondering if this is we should tr- like trigger more <laughs> i know trigger. Trigger well, warning. as soon as trigger josie said Alyssa. werewolf i was like i'm gonna put my little grown-up earmuffs on and i earmuffs. will filter <laughs> not but they're not werewolves they're either okay. wolves and it's very much like even the way that she describes when they're running as wolves it's like beautiful it's they're, they're sort of enveloped by nature and they're running in the pack and they have this pack hierarchy and they live their lives by it. And it's about their behaviors together. Anyway, so there's this, there are, if, if you're a wolf, there are three days of the year 
with the iron moon is what it's called. And when you have to be a wolf, like you're, you just, you have no con- control over the change. And then there are things called shifters and they don't have to become a wolf during the iron moon and they can turn into a wolf whenever they want. And shifters have always taken advantage, advantage of the wolf packs because as soon as guns were created, you know, a wolf is like, I got no thumbs and they could get shot. And mm-hmm. so the wolves have been decimated by shifters who've been taking, they always think that there's like a gold treasure or there's, they have treasure of some kind. They have wealth of some kind. And the pack usually does become strong. And when the pack becomes strong, when they're human beings, they also funnel a lot of money into the pack. And so this, they're, they have this huge track of land um, in, in upstate New York right on the border of Canada, just miles and miles where the wolves run free, especially during the Iron Moon. And this is all protected by all these layers of like lawyers and Hmm. business people. And there's like a hedge fund. It's really, really smartly laid out. But at any time, it feels like the land could be taken away because it's unimproved. And so they just want the land to be wild. But our government sort of has all these incentives for you to improve your land, like you have to farm on it. And I, I have a particular connection to this because growing up on a farm, I remember we always had like this back field where my dad, I remember one day and it's cold and I don't want to be planting corn. And I'm like, dad, why are we planting corn? It's like, we don't make that much money off of it. We barely ever, we just give it away to friends basically. And he says, Josie, we have to for tax reasons, or we'd never be able to keep this land. Mm-hmm. You have to keep a certain acreage of your land working soil or you can't be a farm like you can't keep okay. that much land mm-hmm. and we had like raspberries blueberries strawberries which were like our cash crops and they don't take up a lot of space so we absolutely had to plant corn in order to keep something like of the acres that we had a certain percentage of it was covered with a cash crop it was just something that I couldn't fathom. And he, my dad kept trying to explain it to me. I was like, but dad, we've had this land for a hundred years. It belongs to our family. He says, if we don't keep working it, we won't be able to keep it. It's fine if you have a dump that covers miles and you're just poisoning the water table. That's great. The government will let you keep that land. If you just let it run wild and free and clean and nobody messes with the water sources, nobody's taking anything from the ground, nobody's trying to bottle the water or do anything to it. The government goes, what the hell? And like, this is unimproved land. You have to do something with and it. And it doesn't they, make mm, sense, does it? It doesn't make any sense at all. So there's like all of these lobbyists that, that in the second book, it's all about um, Elijah Sorensen, who's their head lawyer. And he's like this high powered lawyer. And he's been off land for a long time. And he's an alpha and he hates it. He just wants to go home. And it's like the loneliness that he feels and the separation from his pack. It's so beautiful. It's just Maria Vale really has set up such a rich and complicated world. And there's just such hot love scenes. I was just going to say, can we get to the love part? It is just so sexy. So the first book, the first one is a love affair between like the lowest. She's this girl, Quicksilver. She's a wolf and she's at the absolute lowest of the low. She's like past Omega. She's Aww. a cripple. She's a runt. Um, she's basically going to be the bond servant of the alphas of her echelon. So there, there's like, there's the head alpha. And then there are all these sub alphas that have age group echelons because the pack is so large. The Great North Pack is so large. So for the 14th echelon, which is hers, she's going to be basically their bond servant because she's crippled. Whenever she changes into a wolf, her tendon is too short on one leg. So she's basically three-legged. As a human, she's fine. She's But when she changes... She has to basically get around on three legs and a shifter. And he's like sort of left on their land almost as if he's been eviscerated. And he, his mother was a wolf and his father was a shifter. And he sort of like finagles it by this sub rule that if he wins this fight and if he joins up with her, he has protection from the pack. And she takes him in. She's basically like, this is my only chance to be a pair and I won't be basically the subservient, like with my belly in the dirt for the rest of my life. This is my one shot. And so she takes care of him. She cleans him up and he's like this giant wolf when he changes, but he's a crappy wolf. That's like, that's, <laughs> she keeps saying it because shifters have this thing against going to the dogs. Like they don't ever want to be wolves. And um, he was sort of like tortured by his father so that he wouldn't change, or change during the Iron Moon. He was like chained to a fence like a dog would be with an, a spike collar. And like, it's very like, he had like this really sad backstory. 
And she kind of like, she's trying to get this crappy wolf, right? She's like, even the way you stand is terrible. Like there's nothing with his legs splayed out. He's like, you look like a pup. Anyway, so she's trying to teach him how to be a wolf and he ends up winning the fight. And then it turns out, total spoiler, but it turns out that he was planted there by his father to sort of get inside information on the pack. Because then we learn that the Great, Great North is actually on this huge shale deposit. And that's what the shifters want. And when the next Iron Moon comes, humans come in and they're going to shoot all the wolves. Oh, I couldn't. I'd have to stop there. Yeah, it's actually really. But of course, he sort of has this big, huge change of heart. And there's like the B storyline for it is so much more complicated than you normally see in a romance series. And the writing itself is just really well done. It's understated, beautifully written, beautifully described. And you really get this sense of the wild. It's like got this this great feeling of like when you're, they're running with the pack and it's very exciting. I don't know. It's just it's like that part of it is just as well developed and is just the right note written. It's not underwritten. It's not overwritten. It's not verbose. It's just right. And you get this sense from book to book that every single love, because it, it always centers around a love story. The first one is between that. Um, between Silver and the Shifter. And the second one is between um, Elijah, who's an alpha, and he falls in love with a human girl. And that's like never, that, that, that can happen? never happen type it of did. thing. No, that's never supposed to happen. Like the pack will eviscerate her if she even comes on their land. Like that's, they'll just tear a human apart. And so clearly that has to happen. Some wolf has to fall in love with some human. and Some wolf has to fall in love with some human. And then there's the next one is um, an alpha and a Shifter. They're like all different, combinations of like love stories that work out so it's never a formulaic oh yeah this is the way that she sets up her love stories they each have their own thing that they go through and i really just fell in love with the series i thought it was fantastic and i've never been into the wolf thing i've never been into that 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 not even the vampire thing like even the vampire thing to me was like me me i don't know like i like it but i don't love it and but this i loved and i was surprised i'll have to try it yeah, I think I'd like it because I used to love um, anything with supernatural. Yeah, you know. but the supernatural feels it does. It's not like magic. Right, it's right. like it seems like the most natural thing in the world when they become wolves. And it yeah. just feels like you'll love it, Lauren, because it's all great character work. And it feels very much like this family, but beyond family that they're always talking about, like, it's more about responsibility and your position in the pack. Like if you're the alpha, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself. And when there is conflict and, you know, guns are brought onto the land, it's the alphas who die because they die defending their pack. And it's just beautiful. It feels like this wonderful, strange little society that she's created. And mm. it feels very truthy. You know, it feels like like there's all this wolf behavior that, you know, if you look it up, you're like, oh, yeah, they do do that. It's oh, just like truthy. the Jewel of the Wolves. I know, I just I thought of that. Yeah. 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 No, I'll definitely anyway. look into it. I think I'd like it. I loved it. I loved it. And it was super, super steamy. I wonder about so. the audio. Do they have audiobooks? Because I might like it. On yeah. Audio. Yeah. She has audiobooks. And can um. we talk a little bit more about the sex part? <laughs> and the sex part. <laughs> oh, my God, guys. We've been oh. on the phone for like over two hours. Oh, my God. You're right. My family's <laughs> going to think I disappeared. My butt hurts. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So let's let's wrap up. Let's do our final thoughts. So Lauren, you went you went first. Yeah, what, what are your I, final I, thoughts? I recommend it. It's I enjoyed it. I felt a little old. And so it it's the X the, the X, X talk by Rachel Lynn Solomon. I'm not old, but I felt like, oh, I'm getting old. But um <laughs> I really did enjoy it. I think it's a fun book to read. It's contemporary. It was written in twenty twenty one. And I did really appreciate that. I appreciate that I appreciated that she was really um thinking about how to incorporate like all gender, all sexualities. It was inclusive. Yeah. Thank you. And the sex. It was good. And the sex was good. Aileen. I read The Rosie Project by Graham Simpson. Um, It was very G-rated compared to all of your books. (laughs) There were no sex scenes because the character was really not capable of having sex (laughs) until the very, very end. And then you don't really read about it. So if you just want a really sweet, endearing, likable love story that's lighthearted and will make you feel good, then I recommend it. Alyssa, your final I read Normal People by Sally Rooney. And although there were some very steamy sex scenes, um, it's a very complicated story with flawed characters and a very flawed relationship that is chronicled over a series of five years from when 
kids. They were in high school up through their first year in college and and learning about themselves, learning about each other. Um, I I think it's a potentially divisive book just based on, you know, part of the conversation that we had here. Some some people might might really appreciate the the personal struggles that that the people are experiencing. Um, but it's 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 worth reading. It and it's a love story, but it's one that will make you think. And I read The Last Wolf um, and A Wolf Apart by Maria Vale. It's part of her All Wolf series. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. And I don't normally go for werewolf stories, but this was beautifully written. Um, great story to it and wonderful, wonderful love stories. So I fully, fully, fully recommend it. Okay, you guys, Aileen's falling asleep. I have to go plan all my lessons for tomorrow. I haven't. Hmm. I have to watch Slacker. Go do it. Pad TV before I go to bed. I have to go. You have to go eat what? (laughs) Urinate. Oh, okay. I thought you said eat something. (laughs) Like you were hungry and hadn't had dinner. No. Go pee. Thanks, you guys. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Fiction Between Friends. To find the show notes for this episode or to subscribe and get new episodes delivered automatically, visit fictionbetweenfriends.com. Also, if you happen to have a moment and you've liked what you've heard, please help support our podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We would be immensely grateful. Thank you for listening. Thank you.